Our Heavenly Father is the Father of lights, and He is the giver of every good and perfect gift. He does know each and every one of us, and He knows us better than we know ourselves. And He knows what's best for us. So, it is possible that when He does give us something, or when we discover that He has given us something, that because of our lack of understanding, or because of our spiritual immaturity, that we will not get it, the magnitude of it, the worth of it, and we will not be grateful when we realize it or when we receive it. Or we might go, gee, thanks God for this, but can't I have that guy's gift that puts him in the spotlight? Each one of us with our unique composition of spiritual gifts, natural talents, passions, and personalities is called to be an integral joint with an unmissable function in the local body of Welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. We are busy with a journey through the book of Corinthians and our theme is called Light in the Darkness. How many of you since we started this journey have had moments where you were faced with a choice? I can either be part of the darkness right now or I can be the light. Anyone? All right, and what did you choose? Good answer. (laughs) It's a good Sunday school answer. Well done. Well, may that be the thing that's on top of our minds. We have a choice every day in every situation to be the light or to just conform. But Jesus has called us to transform by the renewing of our minds. And this is what Scripture does. It transforms our minds to be in line with God. Amen? All right. So... I'm going to remind you of our series scriptures, and I'm going to quick do a quick recap of what we've done and where we are. Isaiah 60, verse 1 to 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Matthew 5 verse 14. You are the light of the world. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lamp stand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify Your Father in heaven. Amen. As I was reading Isaiah 61, I felt the Holy Spirit remind me of the nation of Israel. Because he was really speaking to the people of God, the nation of Israel. And I don't know if you're aware, but Israel is under attack right now. They have already shot over 200 missiles from the Gaza Strip into Israel. By God's grace, their Iron Dome is protecting them. But they are under attack. Iran is moving with things to be nuclear in order to attack them with nuclear weapons. 
the, the nation of God is under attack. And I know there are many different viewpoints on this. Um, and, you know, you're more than welcome to come and debate me on it. But I believe that as Christians, we need to pray for Israel. And I believe we need to pray for the protection of Israel. So can we take a moment and pray for them? Lord Jesus, we want to just bring your nation before you, the nation of Israel. Lord, we know that not all of them know you yet. But there are many who do. And there are many who are spreading the gospel message in that country to the Jews and the Arabs. And Lord, today we pray for the protection of Israel. We pray that that enemy that is out to get them, the spirit behind that enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy the nation of Israel, Lord, with the whole body of Christ around the world that are praying for that nation, we come against that spirit and we say, cease and desist. You will no longer attack that nation in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Holy Father, that you will, your hand of protection is actually what's mainly protecting them. We pray for angels around that nation. We pray for angels around every person in that nation. We pray that you protect them from every attack, physical and spiritual, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please keep praying for the nation of Israel. It's really important. Amen. All right, I'm going to do a quick recap. We started our series with a message called Influence, and the question was asked, who is influencing whom? Uh, we are all faced with that every day, and that's what I, what I was asking. What do we do in those situations? Do we, are we the light, or do we just go with the flow of the darkness? Then we talked about the, the message judge, which was Corinthians 1 Corinthians 4-6, to and we, we saw how that links with the story of Jonah. And it was about the fact that you know, we easily fall in line with the world's way of thinking where, where they go, don't judge me. And the Bible says, yes, don't judge unbelievers, but it actually teaches us that inside the church, when someone steps out of line and they practice sin, we need to actually have a very difficult conversation and bring them back. We have a, in order to do that, you have to judge, this is sin and it's not okay. And we need to walk a path with them. Our third session was done by Carl called Sanctified, uh, 1 Corinthians 7 to 8. And uh, we, we, we saw how important that process of sanctification is once we are believers. And he showed it beautifully how to connect it with the story of Adam and Eve. Then we spoke on crown, 1 Corinthians 9 to 10. We learned about laying down our rights and our preferences for the gospel. That what we think we should get or what we should have is not more important than reaching people for the gospel. Amen. And then last week I spoke on a message called The Head. And it was quite a difficult passage for us to read in this, in this modern day context that we're in. Because we learned about God's order for, for men and women in the church, when, when it, especially when it comes to praying and prophesying. And uh, if you missed any of those, please go back and listen to the podcast or go watch it online. Um, it's really important for us to all be on the same page with this journey. So today we're going to dive into 1 Corinthians 12, and uh, I want to start off by asking you a few questions. Have you ever received a gift from someone you thought knew you, and the gift just said the exact opposite? <laughs> In other words, a family member or a friend, very excited, <laughs> or a husband, tries to surprise his wife. Brings you a present with a lot of enthusiasm and excitement. And you open it and you immediately went in your mind. Your face you try to keep straight. You're like, wow. 
That's amazing. But inside you're going, they don't know me. They don't know me at all. And you go, and then, especially the women go, I hope they kept the receipt. <laughs> that I can go and exchange this piece of junk. Uh, <laughs> on the other hand, have you ever given... Have you ever given a special gift to someone that you know and love, something that you know is right for them, that's good for them, but they were not excited to receive it, like a parent to a child? And they didn't appreciate it at all, and they just seemed generally ungrateful. Anyone ever had that happen? All right. Parents... Ever given your child something that they almost immediately compare to someone else's thing that's better? Not even thank you, but it's like, yo, my I that, and he has that, and I don't have this. How does that feel? It doesn't feel great, right? When you've made this thing, put it together, you've put thought into it, you've, and you give it to someone, and you can just see. Whew, now, as we saw in our praise and worship scripture, our heavenly Father is the Father of lights, light in the darkness. And He is the giver of every good and perfect gift. All right? So He is a giver. He does know each and every one of us, and He knows us better than we know ourselves. Would you agree? And He knows what's best for us. So, is it, it is possible... That when He does give us something, or when we discover that He has given us something, that because of our lack of understanding, or because of our spiritual immaturity, that we will not get it, the magnitude of it, the worth of it, and we will not be grateful when we realize it or when we receive it. Or we might go, gee, thanks God for this, but can't I have that guy's gift that puts him in the spotlight. Why did I get this one that keeps me behind the scenes? And we have that reaction. Imagine how our Father in heaven, the Father of lights, may feel when we react that way. Now, these are some of the things Paul is tackling with the Corinthians. And he, he does a, a subject gear shift from chapter 11 to chapter 12. And he teaches them about spiritual gifts. Now, you may recall, if you've been here for the whole series, that back in 1, in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul opened up with a compliment sandwich. Remember the compliment sandwich? When you start off with a compliment, then you get real, and then you end off with a compliment. I think Paul invented it. So he started off in 1 Corinthians 1 telling them, wow, you guys flourish in spiritual gifts. He says from verse 5 to 7, you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift. They had all the gifts operating in their church, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so he recognizes that they have all the gifts and they are operating. But now he gets to chapter 12 after he's been working with them for, through a few difficult things. And he gets real. And we're going to see what he discusses with them. And then we as a church, we need to go, okay, Jesus, what do we learn from this? And how do we apply it? Amen? All right. So I'm going to give you the outline of the whole chapter 12. By the end of this, you can also say, I've read 1 Corinthians 12. 
completely. Hallelujah. We read a lot of scripture in this church because the Bible is our anchor. Uh, so I'm going to give you an outline of 12, and then we're going to jump into each of these subjects. So first, he starts out by saying them, don't be ignorant. You have to test the spirit from which something comes. Then he tells them, there are diverse gifts, but one spirit. There are different ministries, but one Lord. There's a diversity of activities, but one God. So he, he, he tries to teach them that there are many things that's available, but there's one God. Amen? Then he tells them nine different gifts that they have in the middle piece of this chapter. And then he talks about how important is the unity of the body, our each individual place inside the body, and how we function to bless the rest of the body. And then he explains how there's a balance that's brought between what we see as more honorable gifts, the ones that may be in front, and the, what we may see as less honorable and how they actually bring a beautiful balance. And then he says, he talks about four more gifts and repeats some of the nine that he had earlier. And he tells us there's an order to these gifts. And then he tells the church to earnestly desire the best of these gifts. And then he, he leaves the chapter on a cliffhanger. And he says, but there's still something better that I want to share with you. And we'll get to that in two weeks' time. All right. So let's jump right into Scripture. The first point is don't be ignorant. And we're going to jump in there at 1 Corinthians 12 from 1 to 3. Uh, for the media, guys, I put everything all the way through. You can stop when I stop this section and then just continue from there. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 3. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except through the Holy Spirit. Why does Paul start out this way? Remember that we've seen in this letter how Paul addresses their factions, their divisions, they are divided, and how they question Paul and his authority. He's been dealing with that. The original word that is translated here as spiritual gifts is actually a word that is more closely related to the word spirituals. So if you read it as, I don't want you to be, uh, when it comes to spirituals, I don't want you to be ignorant, is actually more correct. But the word can go both ways. It can go to people and it can go to gifts. But he was saying um, in verse 4, the word that is used there for gifts is charisma. It's a different word from the first one. And that, that word you will know. But due to misuse of the word charisma, we think it's a happy, clappy church. That's a charismatic church. Amen? But what charisma actually means is spiritual gifts. So you, each of us has a charisma. We do. Some of us have more. Okay, he's going to get into that. Um, therefore, it would seem that Paul is making a distinction between being spiritual and having spiritual gifts. Are you with me? In other words, he's trying to say to them, just because you have all these spiritual gifts and they are operating, 
It doesn't mean automatically that you are healthy, spiritually speaking. Just because the gifts are operating, it doesn't mean that you're doing well. And for the last 11 chapters, he's been telling them why. You see that? All right. So, but he, now he wants to tell them there is a healthy biblical way to apply and use these spiritual gifts. So what he's also saying is that don't worship the gifts. Worship the giver. Amen? All right. The source of the gifts is more important than the gift itself. And if someone is operating from the true spirit of God, then you can test it. Or it will be revealed by the fact that they never accursed Jesus and they will always say Jesus is Lord. How do you know someone is operating when they are in, you know, operating in a seeming spiritual gift? How do you test it? They will say Jesus is Lord. Or conversely, how do you know they are false? They will accurse Jesus. I've been with many people that, and this is a, this is a very um, clever lie that you sometimes will pick up. When anyone in any way, shape, or form diminishes the role of Jesus, you know. And those of you who have a gift will get to that, a gift of discerning spirits. You will pick it up quicker than others. What should we learn from this first part? As straightforward as Paul is, don't be ignorant. That's what we should learn. Don't be ignorant. Be aware. Don't be spiritually unaware, but be aware. Make sure that you're not operating like an immature child of God, running around using a gift that you don't understand or respect. Or you're using it for your own benefit. It's not for you. It's for the church. So be careful to say things like, oh, Please just see how spiritual I am as I share this amazing gift of mine. Look at me. God spoke to me. We have to be careful. All right. The second point that he makes. There are many gifts, ministries, and activities. Multiple. But one spirit, one Lord, one God. All right. Very important. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 7. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all the gifts in all the people. All in all. The same God works all the gifts in all the people. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Okay. Paul is giving a lot of information in actually quite a short sentence. Let us meditate on it for a moment. I'm going to actually read that, that last part again. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. All right. So Paul is giving a lot of information here. We want to, okay, we have to ask, do we and the average Christian, this is a question I have for myself and for, for all of us, do we, and let's ask, does the average Christian actually know about these gifts, ministries, and activities? Do they know that they exist? I don't think so. Maybe some, but not all. I don't think every Christian that say, say they are a Christian actually has a revelation knowledge of these gifts but if we don't know about them how will 
we, how will it be, how will we recognize them and how will we operate in them if we don't even know they exist? It's like finding something that you don't know is there. How will we recognize them in each other and encourage and call it out of each other if we don't know what they are? That's also important. I need to know what mine are, but I also need to know, be able to recognize it in someone else and encourage them. How can we grow if we don't know? Nice little run there. The, the Corinthians may have their problems, but at least they know more about the spiritual gifts than many others. And I think maybe us included. All the gifts are operating in their church. So they may have their problems, but at least they have that going for them. Let's make sure we have it going for us as well. Knowing is one thing. Knowing how to access, operate, and do it in a God-glorifying way is another. How many of you would like to know, access, operate in a God-glorifying manner? All right, cool. It's very important to note that it says it is given to all. And it is given to all for all. You are not excluded. Not one of you is excluded from gifts from the Spirit. It is for all. For the benefit of all. I think some of you are sitting there going, I don't know how God can use me. Maybe because of your past. Maybe because of just how you feel. But I want you to know, God has given you a gift. At least one. Probably more. And at the end of this letter, Paul says, earnestly seek to have more. So you can actually ask and he will give it to you and you can grow in it. It's important that you get this because if you don't and you think other people will do that, you're going to miss out. And we are going to miss out because you bring something unique that only you can bring. And this body needs you to operate in your gift. We do. Don't just nod. Believe it. All right. Then he jumps into nine different gifts. And that's not all of them. Very exciting. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 11. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. And another faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the inter interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. What are the gifts? Word of wisdom. Word of knowledge. Faith, gifts of healings, miracles, prophecy, discerning spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpreting tongues. Are there more gifts? Yes. But I think nine is enough to work with for now. If we could just get them and the other four that we get later in this chapter, that's a good place to start. But that's almost all of them. Romans 12, if you're interested to read more about this, Romans 12 has overlapping ones and a few more. Like serving, exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy, you see in Romans 12. And 
The gifts are also the fivefold ministry that we see in Ephesians 4. They are given for the body. So those are part of it. And you'll see that overlap with the end of this chapter when we get there. All right, next up. Would have, so we're going to talk about what are these gifts. Because I think some of you may think you know. Some of you don't know, but you act like you know. Some of you have never heard this before. Am I right? Or do you know everything? Should I just skip ahead? All right. So a word of wisdom is the divine ability to apply scriptural truth or a word of knowledge in a practical way. What is wisdom? Applied knowledge. So when you have a difficult situation, don't know what to do. A word of wisdom will be the thing that connects the dots and then you can go into action. All right? Make sense? Good. It is, I mean, this definition may sound a bit limiting, but there's different ways it can be applied to different situations. These are just the basics of what they are. Word of knowledge. It is to know the right scripture for a specific situation. To know something about the person that you're praying for. Sometimes God shows you something that you now know about that person. Something that only God could have revealed to you. When that happens, it is also the gift of prophecy overlapping with the gift of the word of knowledge. Because you prophetically can see something that you know and that opens up the, those, that, peop, that person's eyes. Like when I, I told you two weeks ago, I went to that guy. I didn't know what to say. The Holy Spirit showed me he has a daughter with an issue with her leg. And when I told him that, he couldn't believe it. That's a, kind of, that's a word of knowledge. I didn't know, then I knew. Does that make sense? It's also, um, some of the people that know more about these gifts, they say that it has a lot to do with knowing Scripture for the right situation. So when I'm in a difficult situation... And God will show me this scripture applies to this situation. Okay, all right. Next is the gift of faith. Now, the Bible says everyone has received a measure of faith. And it's, we are saved by faith, by grace, through faith. So we all have faith. So what is the gift of faith, do you think? If only some get it and not all. I believe that it's a stronger gift. Some of you know people that, in Afrikaans we have this thing where they go, yes, die is a groot Christian. <laughs> that guy is a big Christian. And I'm like, really? It doesn't seem that overweight to me. I don't know. <laughs> but what they mean is, this guy or this girl speaks with so much faith. I remember um, a friend of mine, Joe Niemand, he, he, his faith would always like just one, it does two things, challenges me, and it just blows my mind. Like the stuff that he believes for and goes for, amazing. I believe he has a gift of faith. It's just that extra, it will be so. God said it, I believe it, it will be so. And they go. We all can grow in that, I believe, and we all should grow in that. But that is one of the gifts. Then, what I find very interesting he separates gifts of healings from miracles. So gifts of healings is a specific gift that some people have. With the laying on of hands on people, you pray for healing. Physical and mental healing will take place. That is a gift some people have. Miracles are to alter what would have been a natural outcome. You can pray and shift that outcome. 
That is the gift of miracles. The gift of prophecy is to boldly speak and bring clarity to scriptural and doctrinal truth and also to, in some cases, to foretell God's plan. So we have to know that whatever a prophet speaks must line up with scripture and it must be confirmed. Then discerning spirits. It's to spiritually identify falsehood and to distinguish between right and wrong motives in a situation. It's the discerning spirit. It's when you, when, uh, some of you will know this. Many women will have this because it's that intuition kind of thing. Where you do walk into a place, or you speak to someone, you just go, mm, something is off. That's a discerning spirit. You just know that this is not. Okay, at this point, I need to point out. I just realized. These are for born-again believers. I'm talking about people who have been born again, baptized with water, baptized with the Holy Spirit. This applies to you. If you are not born again, you may have a sense of some of these gifts because God put it in you. But until you know him, who's the giver of that gift, you will not fully operate in what is possible. Okay? All right. Next one, different kinds of tongues. As with faith and prophecy, I believe speaking in tongues is available to all born-again believers. And I think because it's listed here as a specific gift not all have, and it doesn't say praying in a tongue or praying in tongues, it, it specifically says different kinds of tongues. We can make the conclusion that some in the body will have an extra special gift where their tongues can sound different and have different meanings. Did you follow that? <laughs> okay. So when, when we get saved, born again, many people, when they get baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit, they receive a tongue that they pray in. The purpose of that tongue, we will go into when we get to chapter 14. The purpose of that tongue is for you to pray the things which you may struggle to pray to God, but your spirit knows what to pray, and you are mainly conversing with God in spirit. All right? Here, it talks about speaking in different, speaking, not praying, speaking in different kinds of tongues, which I believe is connected to the interpretation of tongues. In chapter 14, he's going to go into that a lot, and we'll get, to the, we'll get there. But... When someone here, and I'm going to trust God today for a moment, we will give an opportunity for people to listen to the Holy Spirit. And if you feel led to use your gift to do so, I'm taking a big risk, but I think we have to step out in faith and we have to trust that Holy Spirit will lead us. If we trust the word of God and we step out in faith with the right intention, I believe Holy Spirit will move in our midst. But I believe the speaking in different kinds of tongues is a special gift some have because when they speak it in the congregation, then the next gift, interpreting tongues, will kick in. And someone will hear that different language from another guy. So your gift comes up and then suddenly the interpreting tongues gift also comes up. And together there's a word for the body of Christ. Do you understand that? All right. Let us note this last line again. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. It is by the Spirit's will that we receive these gifts. We do not do it of ourselves for ourselves. It is by the Spirit 
given, we have it, to use for the body. I keep repeating this point because Paul keeps repeating this point. So it must be important for us to get this. And I know some of you still don't get it. But it will come. It will come. The revelation must come. Okay, so that's nine. But there's more coming. We'll get to that in a moment. I'm just going chronologically because that's simpler in a way. So unity, the next point that he makes is unity of the body and our place in it. This is a bit of a longer piece. Focus. Do I have you? Do I have your attention? Are you ready? All right. 1 Corinthians 12, from verse 12. For as the body is one, a human body, look at, imagine your, your body, and has many members, fingers, toes, knees, elbows, you've got different members, but all the members are of that one body. How many of you know that all of your body is attached right now? And how many of you know that all the members of your body has different functions? And that all of them work together. How many of you know that if you just have a splinter in a little part of your one finger here, your whole body is aware of it? Because it are really sore. Being many are one body. So also is Christ. So the same way our bodies is one, Christ's body is one. For by one spirit, everybody say by one spirit. We were all baptized into one body. Say one body. one body. By one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. How many of you know that baptism is important? Yes. Baptism following conversion. Guys, I cannot stress this enough. Do you know that last month in America when they had Pride Week, at one of the events, they were cornering young people. And saying to them, come, have an unbaptism. Why do you think that? Because the enemy knows the importance of baptism. I know of people, and, and Picard will probably tell you a story about that, how a guy who was completely demon-possessed, but wanted Christ, like this, the things in him didn't want it, but he wanted it. When he went through the baptismal, the demons went. They all left him when he went through the baptismal. I've heard two testimonies of Satanists who came to Christ. They had tattoos of the, the, um, either of Satan himself, the way they see him, or the, the pentagram. And they were worried and embarrassed that once they go through the baptismal, you know, they're in front of everybody and they're going to see this. Both times these guys went through the baptismal, they came out, the tattoo was gone. Why do you think the enemy has put a veil over most traditional churches about baptism? It's just sprinkling a baby when they are there. So that one day, you know, they can get married in that church. That's the whole thing. Like put their name on a register. And... Why? Because the power lies in baptism. You are registered in the spirit when you get baptized. And it is normally with or shortly after you will be baptized with Holy Spirit, who then fills you and strengthens you so that you can do the exploits that God has for you. Amen. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body of Christ. Not 36,000 denominations around the world. One body of Christ. 
whether Jews or Greeks, whether white or black, whether Afrikaans or English or Indian or Chinese or wherever you come from, whether slaves or free, and all have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body was an eye, where would be the hearing? Just imagine that quickly. A whole bunch of eyes here in front. I see you. If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling be? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as He pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? We can't all be the same. He doesn't want us to be the same. He wants us to have the same goal, but we're not operating the same. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. Can you see Paul repeating himself over and over and over? Come on, Corinthians, get it. Come on, love key, get it. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. <laughs> Can you imagine that? The head will quickly meet the ground <laughs> if there are no feet. Unity, one body, many members, one goal. Ephesians 4, Paul is, is also written and he speaks about this unity and how important it is. I often hear Christian leaders train their disciples. And one of the things that is said in discipleship and even from the pulpit a lot that I've heard in my you know, Christian years is, it's not about you, it's about the kingdom. How many of you have heard that? How many of you believe that? It's not about you. It's about the kingdom. But the kingdom is made up of what? People. And the instruction to say it's not about you, it's about the kingdom, implies that it's about the next person that you're supposed to reach an impact. So it's about them. But you were once that person. And it was about you. So... When you're an unbeliever, it is about you. But as soon as you're a believer, it's not about you. Did Christ die for all of us out of love for each of us? Yes. yes. So it is about all of us. It is about all of us. And it's about you and you and you and me. The whole is not about you idea can create an unhealthy and actually unbiblical false humility, which is not God's plan for us. So... I understand what those leaders mean. I do understand it. That we don't get wrapped up in ourselves and we don't have selfish motivation. I, I, I get that part of it. But to, to like make a mantra out of, it's not about me, it's not about me, then it's like, well, what is my worth then? What is my identity then? Jesus loves you. And the next person that you will reach for the kingdom. And the reason you want to reach the next person for Jesus is because you are special to Jesus and you know what it feels like to know your maker. And now you want other people to know it too. 
It is about you. Plus, as a believer, you have died to yourself. You've picked up your cross and you're following Jesus. So when you've truly been born again, there shouldn't be a danger of making it about you in terms of your selfish desires. It should be a knowledge of who I am in Christ. I know who I am because I know whose I am. And now I just want to tell everybody else, because I've died to my old self, my sinful nature, I want to now go forward and reach others. Why do I bring up this point here? Because this teaching is on unity, one body, many members. It is what brings the amazing harmony between our individual worth in God's eyes and the collective mission we have as His body, as the ecclesia of this world. Both are true. Your individual value in God's eyes and the mission that he has for you with the gifts he's given you. Both are important. Do do you hear my heart? Okay. Another way to put it, each one of us with our unique composition of spiritual gifts, natural talents, passions, personalities is called to be an integral joint with an unmissable function in the local body of Christ. Should I say that again? Each one of us with our unique composition of spiritual gifts, natural talents, passions, and personalities is called to be an integral joint with an unmissable function in the local body of Christ. If you don't believe me, read Ephesians 4. It speaks about how important every joint is that supplies something to the body of Christ. That only you can supply. Paul's next point. The honor of the different members. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 22. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, no division is a schism, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. The man or woman serving behind the scenes, making a service possible, is just as important as the communicator or worship leader on stage in front of everybody. One gift may seem to get more honor than another, but the one with seemingly more honor cannot exist or function without the gift with seemingly less honor. And that brings a harmony. Simply put, if there's no one doing the sound, no one can hear me speak. If there's no one cleaning this hall, you will not have a great experience coming here. If there's no one greeting you at the front, you will feel less welcome. Every gift has its place and forms a part of what God is doing. We need not get our value of our gift from what people think. 
We have to get the value of our gift from what God says. And the reason that he gave you that gift is, for a, is, is because he knows that you can carry it. So when we rock up here to serve, you're not serving me or my wife. or you know, You're serving God. By serving people, you're serving him. By asking him, how do I grow in this gift? How do I... How can I be more in this gift? You serve the body in a greater way. His next point. Members of the body and the order thereof. Corinthians 12 from verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. And I want to say that to you today. You are the members of the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles, gifts of healings. Now here's a new one. Helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. And then he asks, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? He's asking this because... He's saying, no, some have this, some have that. And all works together for the body, for Christ. Here's his list. Apostle, prophet, teacher, miracles, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues, interpretations of tongues. This list is also nine. But you can obviously see there's an overlapping of tongues, Healing, miracles. What are, what are the new ones we get here? Apostle, teacher, helps, and admin. That brings the total to 13 gifts just in chapter 12. But there are more. Can you see that there's really something for everyone? Can you see that? And you can also see that you have a spiritual gift that you didn't even realize you have. Like admin. Who knew? That's spiritual. How many of you hate administration? <laughs> I've met people in this church who love admin. That's a good sign that it's a gift, a spiritual gift. I thank God that you exist and that you are in our church. Thank you, Jesus. Let this be an encouragement to us. We each have at least one gift, but probably more. And more importantly, we cannot possess all and that it is why, that's why we need each other. Not one person has all the gifts. Clearly states that. Why? Because then that person will want to take all the glory or do everything and then no one else will do anything. So we need to know our gifts. We need to operate in them with a servant, humble heart. And when you do that, you will bless the body of Christ, but you know what? You will mature as a Christian. You will grow. You will become stronger. Your character will develop. And you will become the person that God has called you to be. I believe knowing our gifts and stepping out in our gifts is a key to living the life that God has for us as well. In this truth, we should find a daily reason to humble ourselves towards each other. Because my brother or sister in Christ next to me could have the key to the challenge I'm facing. And you could have the key to help them in your gift. 
or our church could need today um, what one or more individuals can bring on that day. We can, the answer that some of us are looking for could be in the word of wisdom in the person right next to you. The challenge that you're facing, the miracle that you're trusting for, the healing that you're trusting for could be wrapped up in the person right next to you. But if they don't know that they have it, or if they don't have the guts or confidence to step out and lay hands and trust that God will heal, it may never happen. But I want you to know that we are very blessed to have all these people in our church. And everyone has a gift. Let's say there's the 13, and I can, I mean, in a few rows, we're already up to 13 people. And each of them has one of these gifts. And they minister to the rest. We will already have an amazing moment. Can you see that? And then he ends off this way. His last point. He says, earnestly desire, and then he gives a teaser. Let's read it. 1 Corinthians 12. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. He has just given an order of the gifts, starting with apostle, prophet, teacher, and then he went on. So there's an order of best gifts. And it's not about, if you take it in context of what he says has honor and what has less honor, we have to still remember it all works together. But what he's saying is, earnestly desire the best gifts, which I see as we can pray. If we think we don't have a gift, but we earnestly desire to have that gift, I believe our God will hear our prayers. And if we engage on this word, if we use this word as our substance, Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If I use scripture as my substance, Lord, you say I must earnestly desire the best gifts. So I'm standing before you today. I earnestly desire to be prophetic, to pray for miracles. Lord, I stand on your word. Please bless me with this gift or help me to grow in this gift. And I believe God will answer our prayers. Let's do that. Let's trust him for that. He ends off this chapter by telling the Corinthians they should earnestly desire the gifts. And, and we should do the same. And he ends off with a kind of a cliffhanger. He says, I will show you a more excellent way. So he's now just discussed 13 gifts. He says how it should operate, where it comes from. And then he says, I will still show you a more excellent way. Of what? Operating in gifts, being a church. And then starts 1 Corinthians 13, which is all about love. So the more we'll get into that in more detail in two weeks' time. But let's, let's know that when these gifts are given, they are for the body, but it should come from a place of love. Amen? All right, in summary, don't be ignorant. Know what's going on. Don't try to be chasing spiritual gifts. Chase the giver of the gifts and operate as he leads. Secondly, know that there are diverse gifts, one spirit. Uh, different ministries, one Lord. Diversity of activities, one God. And the manifestation of the spirit is given to each for the benefit of all. Everyone has a gift. There are 13 gifts that we read in this chapter. We must remember that it's all for the body and that the unity of the body 
remains paramount. There's a balance brought between what we may see as less honorable and more honorable by the fact that each gift is necessary and the one builds on the other. We need to earnestly desire the best gifts and we need to know that there's still a better way. How many of you want to know and operate in full capacity of your spiritual gift so that you can serve this local church? How many? The rest not. You don't want to know. You know already? Okay, I'm going to try that again. I, I respect if you're an introvert. I really do. Because I'm one as well. I really am. I'm an introvert according to the definition that you get your energy from alone time. In that sense, I'm an introvert. I've learned to do this, what I'm doing. Because God gave me a gift and I grew in that gift. But I understand. But nowhere in the Bible does it make an allowance for you to be an introvert. As an excuse to not raise your hand. It says to all of us, raise your hand, shout for joy, clap, dance. There's not an extra chapter that says, except if you're an introvert. Because you died, and Christ lives in you. Amen? That's a bit of a separate thing. But I want to ask again, how many of you want to know what your gifts are, and you want to operate in them? (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. All right. Let's get practical. I found... I found a test from, uh, there's this uh, church in America who makes resources available, and I I think theirs is quite good um, from what I could see, and it's all based on scripture, which I really like. So they have put on a a test that you can do online. It's called giftstest.com. I did my test. It took me maybe five minutes. You just answer a whole bunch of questions. It's a little bit like a personality test, um, but you, you get a good idea. And then uh, you can put on the screen, um, this was my test results. So they give you your top five according to your answers, and you get a good idea of where you, where you land. Uh, so you can see teacher came up quite strong, and uh, leadership and apostleship. Um, and that's, that for me is in line with what I kind of already knew, but it was great to go through this and to see that that's strong. Um, so you guys, you can take that off, it's fine. So you can, you can go to that website. And if you're in a connect group, please do this before connect. And because I want you to talk about it on your connect group meeting. For those who don't have a connect group, I've got great news for you. You can phone them and join a connect group before Wednesday or Thursday. And you can do your test and bring it to them and actually talk about it to people so that you can get to know what your gift is and you can operate in your gift. Because why? You are not a consumer. You are not a consumer. I've got news for you. You're a participant in the kingdom of God. And it starts with serving and getting involved. Otherwise, you're just a spectator. And God can't work with a spectator. Not as deeply as he would like to. Let's get in it. Let's get real. Let's get practical. Amen? So please do that. And then you'll see when you get your your gifts, there's scriptures connected to each gift. Go and read those. Go and see what does it look like? How does it operate? Where does this come from? 
and start asking Holy Spirit, help me to understand this. Help me to live this out. Amen? So, finally, we're going to just take a time to take all of this in, to reflect and respond. Each one of us have received at least one gift, probably more. The point is to edify the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Each one of you has a gift that can bless this body of Christ. If you don't believe it yet, just choose to trust me. (laughs) Because I trust the word and that's what the word says. So I want to create a moment now where we all quiet ourselves before God and we say, Holy Spirit, show me. Show me what my gifts are. Or if that's maybe still a bit weird for you, just say, Lord, work through me for your body. Maybe as we do this, you start speaking in a language and someone here can interpret it. That would be wild. I would love that. Maybe you get a word for the person next to you. Maybe you get a picture that God shows you something for the, for the woman or the lady, ach, the man or the woman next to you. And you can say to them, hey, I feel God is saying this. Maybe someone needs healing today and we can lay hands on them. That's what, that's what the point is of church. And I believe God has put us on this journey through Corinthians so that we can all be challenged by this, so that this can become a part of who we are and that we can see these things operate on a weekly basis in our, in our midst. How many of you would like to see that? Amen? All right. So let us stand. Let us stand before God. Let's close our eyes. Just, let's just be receptive to what God wants to do. If you want to raise your hands or just open the palms of your hands to heaven to receive from Him, you can do that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father God, Father of lights, who gives good and perfect gifts, we just want to thank you, honor you, and worship you for the gifts that you've given us so that we can help each other and uplift the whole body of Christ. Our Lord, I thank you for each member in this church and for the gift that you've bestowed upon each of them or multiple gifts. Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you will come. Even before we've done the test, it's not about the test. You can show us. You can lead us in what is our gift. And I ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you will come upon us that you will release words of knowledge, that you will release words of wisdom, that you will release the prophetic, that you will release miracles, that you will release healings, that you will release different tongues and interpretation of tongues over this gathering, over these people, that you will release the gifts of apostleship, of prophecy, of teaching, of help, of administration. All these gifts, Lord, 
thank you. Help us to recognize it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I'm just going to give us a moment. Just wait on the Holy Spirit. Just wait on Him. If He shows you something, you get a, an idea or a word, I want to invite you to come and share it with us. Or if you just have something for someone next to you, share that with them. But if you would be so bold as to come and share with us, the floor is now open. Let's give it a few minutes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is church, man. I love it. <laughs> Let us end off with a prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. I thank you for the gifts that you've bestowed upon us. Lord, on the one hand, I want to repent that we haven't grabbed hold of this and ran with it as much as we should have. But Lord, today we choose as a congregation to make this normal in our midst. We invite you to lead us. We invite you to speak through us. And, and we choose to humbly submit to use our gifts for this church and for each other, for the upliftment of this body of Christ. I pray for our people online, whatever they may be struggling with or going with, I pray that you will heal, that you will restore, and that you will bring breakthrough, and that you will reveal to them as well what their gifts are in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's give God a big shout of praise. Hallelujah. We love you so much, family. Have a wonderful Sunday. God bless you. We'll see you next weekend for the School of Evangelism and next Sunday. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast, Message of the Week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.